welcome to Lunar Magic Tea Time, where we discuss all things magical, mystical, metaphysical, and sometimes even a little mundane. I'm Kristen. And I'm Nancy. And this week, it's going to be a little different. We're talking about uh, magic at different ages. Basically, witchcraft in the stages of life. When we started off talking about future episodes we wanted to do, I thought a lot about pagan parenting as I have a little bug so often during the week and I want to introduce him to the, to the way we live a pagan life. And this kind of became a discussion of how paganism and then by extension, faith paths have different roles during different times in our lives. And we all know the pagan, specifically Wiccan, concept of maiden mother crone. And while that does apply to a lot of pagans, it also excludes a lot of pagans, which seems to me to be kind of the opposite of what we want our paganism to be doing. Paganism as a lifestyle and a life path does mean that there will be different needs as we grow and age and For instance, I was very honored to be my mother's death doula when she passed. And when she passed, I sort of took on the mantle of elder of my family, which included sort of stepping into a role of elder for my siblings, which has been interesting. Mostly good, but, you know, there's been times where it's been really interesting. I, you know, when I was thinking about it, there's some general phases and I was thinking about it and I came up with basically four phases and then I did some research as happens with me. I I think of an idea and then I think of how I, how I feel about the idea or what I believe about the idea. And then I go and look for things that either support that or contradict that. I don't mind being told I'm wrong. Um, But I was thinking there's basically four phases of faith path. Let's call it that for a minute. Childhood, where we learn the customs, traditions, myths, etc., of the path that our parents follow. Young adulthood, where we explore that path, those myths, traditions, etc., through our own lens, um, which is often with some pushback or questions or even rebellion. Adulthood is frequently a time filled with just going through the motions because so many of us are so stressed out. Uh, thanks to late stage capitalism, that we don't really have time to invest in our religious life. And then late adulthood seems to be when we come back to that with a broader experience and time to share that information with our community. So the role of an elder. This is where it gets kind of fun for me. I have always said, you can be at any place on the chart at various times in our lives. I'm currently reevaluating my place in the world like a young adult would because of the stuff that has happened this last year. So I'm looking at what that means for my faith path and what I actually believe in context of the pagan myths. Um, When I play with Little Bug, I'm embodying both the role of teacher and student, you know, so I have that young adult thing because kids ask a lot of questions. He learned a new word yesterday. He learned the word why. Oh no. Next two will be how come. Oh, oh, oh boy. Uh, yeah, I used to teach Sunday school and I used to teach the very, the very little. So like the two, three, four year olds, and they would always be like, who is God's wife? Or 
why do we call God he if he's everything? Like, these are little four-year-olds going, well, I don't get God. Like, I don't understand that. Why is he a he? Why can't he be like my mom? You know, and they teach through their questions. They're, They're good little dialectic teachers. One of the things that, you know, there's things that we do differently depending on our place in the path. Um, So I work with a lot of confidence when I am casting a spell or when I'm starting a ritual, simply because I've been doing it so long. It's not that I don't question it. It's just that I know the things that are going to work for me. So I do those things that work for me and I do them with confidence as opposed to, you know, I'm in a lot of spaces on the internet where new witches are going, I don't have all of the right ingredients can I move forward with this? They're not move, They're not confident yet to substitute or to change things or to adapt things just yet. And the guarantee, the longer you stay in the path, the more confident you get with that because you're, you realize it's all you. Yeah, that's the way I've, even from the beginning, I've felt. I mean, I like the crystals and candles and that, but to me, it's more, I guess, manifesting. It's not as much as two parts this and one part that. I've always been more, I guess, light off the seat of my pants, kind of. <laughs> I'm going to burn a candle, I'm going <laughs> to throw some of this in, and I'm good. <laughs> exactly. One of the things that I've noticed as I get more and more comfortable with who I am and my personal practice is that more and more people are feeling equally comfortable to ask my opinion, not just on can I substitute, but why do you believe the way you believe? Like they're asking me the deeper questions as opposed to, you know, the surface questions, I guess. Yeah, I oh, but this is interested in the path. And I think people are looking for um, something different, organized and going back to more spiritual and nature-based. And-, and a lot of people are coming from very much more restrictive religious backgrounds where you follow the ritual, but you don't question the ritual. And without questioning the ritual, are you really able to fully participate in the ritual? I don't know. I mean, a lot of it is, I, obviously I'm happy to share my experience. I have a podcast about it. But I think also I've just kind of embraced my role as grandparent and not just to little bug, but to the people around me. Like seriously, you pop onto my friend's page on Facebook and you ask people, do you call her Grammy? And over half my friends will say yes, that they do call me Grammy and they mean it because I'm always, I'm always there for them. I'm always proud of them. I'm always there to cheer them up because we need more of that. So that brings us into the stages that you said you found. So I thought, I just kind of want to see what else is out there. Um, what other people have thought that is outside the maiden mother crone sort of thing. Because like I said, that excludes a lot of people. And I found the James W. Fowler, um, (laughs) Stages of Faith, Fowler, F-O-W-L-E-R. So he published a book, Stages of Faith, in uh, 1981. And um, I'm just going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit here and kind of just read them off. But they really resonated with how people view their faith path. And it's it's kind of a universal, it's, it's not just 
stages of Christianity or stages of Buddhism or stages of Wicca or it's if you're someone questioning, if you're someone who's raised in any faith, there's going to be these elements kind of across the board. So I'm just going to read them off pretty quickly and I didn't do a lot of editing on this one. I really wanted this podcast, this episode to be a little more chatty. So I'm going to try to keep it short. Uh, Gemini just said that. So bear with. Um, (laughs) So stage zero is the primal or undifferentiated faith. It's typically birth to two and it's characterized by an early learning of the, of the safety of their environment. So is your environment safe and secure or hurt and neglect or abuse? If, Consistent nurture is experienced. One will develop a sense of trust and safety about the universe and the divine. And of course, then if a child is experiencing neglect or abuse, especially at ages birth to two, they're going to immediately just have distrust in pretty much everything. Let's just put that right out there. (sighs) Stage one is intuitive projective faith, typically ages three to seven. And it's characterized by the psyche's unprotected exposure to the unconscious, marked by a relative fluidity of thought patterns. Again, religion is mainly learned through experiences, stories, images, think Sunday school. A lot of our, especially United States listeners, are going to have some experience with the concept of Sunday school. Stage two is mythic literal faith. And that's actually going to lovely play into an episode that's coming up. (laughs) I swear I'm working on it. It's just a lot. Uh, So mythic literal faith is mostly school-age children, and it's characterized by a person having strong belief in the justice and reciprocity of the universe, and their deities are almost always anthropomorphic. So think think God as a human figure or Krishna as a human figure. uh, The Greek gods are great examples because we never... The only time we imagine the Greek gods really as being anything much more than human in their nature is when Zeus turns into something weird to have some sex. I'm not wrong. I stand by that. I stand by that statement. Do not edit it out. (laughs) Downplayed that whole (laughs) Mm, mythology to Zeus having. Where is the law? (laughs) There's nothing but truth in that statement. Stage three is synthetic conventional faith, age 12-ish to adulthood, characterized by conformity to authority and religious development of a personal identity. This is where any conflicts with one's belief are ignored at this stage due to the fear of threat from those inconsistencies. You're not questioning anything. You're very dedicated to the book says no matter what that book is. I I know it's starting to sound a little bit like I'm bashing Christianity here and I'm not doing that. It's just a very good example for me. Stage four is individuative, reflective faith, mid-20s-ish to late 30s. It's typically a stage of struggle with your faith. Individual takes personal responsibilities for her faith or and feelings, uh, able to reflect on their own beliefs with an openness to new complexity, you know, the awareness of inconsistencies in the belief. Um, This is what ex-Mormons call the shelf. So ex-Mormons, in Mormonism, there are a lot of inconsistencies in the faith. And Mormons typically refer, or ex-Mormons, 
let's be very specific, ex-Mormons typically refer to dealing with those inconsistencies by sticking them on the shelf, mm-hmm. sticking them on the shelf. And then usually at stage five, conjective faith or a midlife crisis, when you're acknowledging the paradox and, and those things, ex-Mormons call that breaking the shelf. You've put too many inconsistencies on the shelf and the shelf can't hold that weight anymore and it comes tumbling down. So stage five, conjunctive faith, acknowledges paradox, transcendent and transcendent reality behind the symbols of those systems. Individual resolves those conflicts from the previous stages, often by a complex understanding of multidimensional interdependent truth that doesn't always, that cannot always be explained by a particular statement. Stage six is universalizing faith or what some people might call enlightenment. The individual would treat any person with compassion as he or she views people from a universal community and should be treated with those universal principles of love and justice. Now, again, people can be multiple places mm-hmm. on this sort of in these stages. You can have moments where you're at stage six and you really believe that, you, that you've got it. And then something may happen to crash your worldview yeah. and give you some back through. Mm-hmm. And then you're back to, you know, typically once you're through the first three stages, you're not going back to them. But there's, if you've converted to a new faith, that can happen. Um, but I think it's just really interesting to see how we view faith through the lens of more of a um, developmental. I don't. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, some of those stages kind of remind me when three or four years ago when I was watching that one show and really buying the whole metaphysical as far as the way he was projecting it and some of the stuff I was like "Mm, okay it's not I don't think and then he totally lost me and you know where it went (laughs) when a certain person was like (laughs) able to watch him sis when I went through the whole thing with um the one in raw and everything and I was okay I have to be a better person and not only can I not, um, when I say something out physically, does it affect the universe, but if I think it, and then I was like, oh crap, I'm in trouble, because if I get behind the car, this whole law of one is going to go right out the window. <laughs> it does. Sorry, viewers, but <laughs> Kristen's driving, <laughs> driving with me. It's like, mm-hmm. She's so sweary when she drives. Yeah. I love it. Um, I am very sweary. I had an employee in the car once. Um, Jordan, and um, someone cut me off, and he goes, never heard someone use the F word as a noun, verb, and adjective all in one sentence. And then you knew that was the end of the law one for me. Can't do it. And I think, I think he is such a fabulous example of the stages, because when we met Jordan, he was definitely at stage three. Yeah. You know, he was definitely, this is my faith path. This is a hundred percent what I believe. And, and then, and now, you know, talking to him recently, he is definitely in stage five where he's not necessarily questioning his deity. I wouldn't say he's doing that at all, but I think he's questioning how his faith is presented in the world by other people. And I think that it's giving him a lot of questions 
and um this is the path i want to follow yeah the way they're projecting it yeah yeah and i mean when i when i met him he was like i've never met anybody like you and i'm like well hey you're never gonna meet anybody like me i'm a weirdo but <laughs> but also i'm happy to answer your questions because i don't want you interacting with me thinking i'm that i'm like yeah whatever your spiritual community has presented yeah which is as notions of what and coming to work for me he was exposed to a lot of things he'd never been exposed to before and it really opened his eyes because he had never and he 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 has approached it from effectively from a stage six from universalizing faith and saying every human deserves compassion every human deserves to be treated as with love and kindness and and i think um I, that that's why I, I just really sorry jordan for using you as an example of of these stages but you're just it, he's so great I agree. he's also just a really good person so i was thinking about it and you know i obviously most people that listen to us know that i come to this path late in life well really late it was interesting because got to thinking it's a lot different for people that might have some abilities but are raised in an environment where you know they're not acknowledged or it's not abilities it's just something that happens to you and and then i can remember back when my nana she could always tell if someone happened to someone or my the mouse in the cereal box i always tell and <laughs> like don't eat the cereal why not nana there's a mouse in there there's a mouse in there and then her used to read um, tea leaves until one time she got a, a reading that scared her and then she wouldn't do it anymore. Obviously, I wasn't raised in any of that and my mom wasn't that way. So it, it made me think how different it is for people that, like your children, were grown up and all that magical world was open to them. And then I got to thinking, granddaughter is such a... Um, special kid I'm like hey was I awakened now because I should be able to help her on her path because that kid is <laughs> he's already showing signs of being um impasse and quite sure <laughs> it makes me wonder you know she talks about past life all the time and she tells us about it really interesting that it's when she was younger and if you think about it in the kids I was younger was in the past right mm-hmm drove a truck, she had, she drove a, she built houses, she worked on the roof, she had a red truck. And then, um, not the other day we were talking about, I clearly wasn't talking about this other past life, right? So I go, oh, did, um, when you were younger, did you look different? Yeah, no, and I look different. Oh, what color was your hair? Purple. Purple? <laughs> like, okay. He goes, yeah, it was purple. I asked her, okay, well, what color was your eyes? And she tilted her head and was thinking, like she was trying to think of how to describe them. She goes, Anna, they were rainbow. I'm like, okay. And you either have the most active imagination for a almost three-year-old or you're from another planet and universe. <laughs> I'm not sure what. what they're being the way she phrases things. It's the way she phrases things because... Very different. Like being born with the stars and the moon in her heart and leaving some of them with her mom's heart. Yeah. It's not like... We say things yeah. around there. Like, I was gonna say I can't see I can't see Katie saying that. No. And and that's no disrespect to Katie at all, ever. Yeah. It's just that's not her communication style. So I was telling her about that and then she was telling me something. She goes, Well, obviously she's like you. 
think she has these abilities and I'm because I'm not sure what to make of them, but you know, she has them. And then they remind me of the time where she was in, standing in the kitchen and she had a really serious look on her face. And I go, what's the matter, Kinley? And she goes, Nana, I'm really sad that I can't fly. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I can understand that. I'm kind of sad I can't fly either. She goes, but Nana, I really thought I could fly, but I can't. <laughs> and I, when I was growing up, I always had dreams that I'd be walking down the street and then I would just walk flying. And then I found out the other day that Justin had the same dreams. Well, interesting. It kind of set me down the path thinking, you know, me and my squirrel, um, about <laughs> indigo, indigo and rainbow and crystals and the different types of children's and that. And I thought, well, maybe I should get in and do some of the research. And then um, went down the path. I'm like, like, this is a whole show in itself. I'm not going to get into this. But it was funny because I'd read some of them like, yeah, I can see me being indigo or crystal. And then they get to the part of peace and tranquility. And I'm like, well, okay. Maybe I'm like um, <laughs> a very diluted version of one of these because the rainbow children, and then I know you've talked about how it could be a child that had, um, follows a miscarriage. They had a, a different definition, like it's the third generation of like star children or higher dimensional coming to this earth to try to help us move on. It's, it's interesting. I think we really should do a whole show just on the different. I think we should too. Yeah, for sure. Indigo, I was thinking, oh, that's totally Kristen because it was like the injustice of the legal system and all this. And then um, another one goes, they don't don't want to eat meat and that and everything. Okay, I can kind of fall in this category. Oh, they're vegan. No, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> I mean, the concept is good for me. My, my body doesn't. I'm, okay, maybe my soul is, <laughs> but my body's like, screw that shit. We need meat. I think too, that regardless of where, so we're talking about the, you know, indigo children and rainbow children and crystal children. And then we're talking about the same, the phases of faith path and, and we're talking about them like they're isolated and kind of in a vacuum and, yeah. and we're not in a vacuum. Yeah. We're all impacted by our environment and by our situation and, so I, for instance, I had to grow up very, I had to, I had to face, I guess, mortality very early, like my own personal mortality. Um, because when I was seven, I was very, very ill. And I, I remember overhearing one of the doctors tell my mother, well, you know, we're not a hundred percent sure what it is, but I'm, I'm not really sure she's going to make it to eight. Oh my goodness. And you overheard that. And, and I just remember thinking, and, and at the time I was literally on bed rest. I wasn't even allowed to walk to the bathroom. Oh wow! I, they were just very concerned about the state of my heart. And, and when you're seven and you don't even know real people who have died. Yeah. Like you, your concept of death even there or like no longer. I mean, because I know I, we lost. Have you lost a grandparent or anything or anyone close to you? So. Um, I, well, technically, but I was only two months old when my grandpa died. <laughs> so, mm. so like, no, I hadn't really lost anybody. And so I didn't really, I mean, we'd lost pets, but I didn't really have this concept. Um, although I do know that because my parents were foster parents and I had this kind of idea that you come stay with my parents and then you go away 
and you don't get seen again, I think maybe I thought that was what it was a little bit, but I had to really start my life questioning everything because in my head at seven, everything could be taken away very quickly. So I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. That was an ADD moment. Um, Thinking about that, you had to face a lot of obstacles really early in life, even because you were raised in a very religious household. Your father was a preacher, a minister, whatever. You had been exposed to all that Sunday school Mm -hmm. stuff and that, so that would be scary. And I mean, I was really, really lucky in that my father was never a hellfire and brimstone preacher. He was very much God is a loving God. And, you know, I remember very distinctly, um, I lost a friend my sophomore year, junior year in high school to a car accident. And someone else, someone I went to high school with uh, approached my father the day my friend, my friend died, the very day my friend died. This, this kid walked up to my dad and said, well, I certainly hope so-and-so was baptized because otherwise, you know, he's in hell. And my dad just went, no. He was a good human, and whether he was baptized or not, God wants good humans. Yeah. And there was no, there was no, this is the, no, not, not for my dad. It was, if you live a good life, if you are a good person and live to help others and, and, you know, and it wasn't even about the top, as my dad always called the, the Ten Commandments, the top ten. <laughs> It wasn't about those. It was about, are you being truthful to yourself? Are you being compassionate to the people around you? Like that's, that's the, that's the Christianity I was raised in. So some of this other Christianity that I see out there and that I've seen out there, I just go, I don't understand it. Since the beginning of the year, you know what date? Mm -hmm. I'm like, just chill. Like we got a, the captain of the ship is not going to run us into the iceberg. You know, we're not going to go down with the Titanic. <laughs> Thank God. I, yeah, there's hope for the first time in a while yeah. to, to make the changes that need to, to be made. And again, you know, like I could be an indigo child. I could have been born and been this little indigo person who is supposed to do all these things, but then life happened. And, and life in this case is me being told at seven, I'm probably going to die or, um, you know, losing a really, really good friend and then having someone rudely tell me, well, they're going to hell, you know, like that, those are things that affect your faith. They affect your faith and they affect how you perceive your faith. And, your faith isn't in, your faith shouldn't be contained in a building. That's a, sometimes I wonder, get out of my head. I was going to say, it's not freaking order. It's, and that's what people get caught up on. You know, oh, I'm okay because I went Sunday for an hour of service, even though I ran over the neighbor in the parking lot. That escalated quickly. <laughs> I always think of that. I don't know why. When I think of people going to church, they're all, Hallelujah. Grab the hands of the person next to you, but don't get out of my way because I'm going to the store afterwards and I need to get out of the parking lot now. I believe it's the way you live every single day, no matter what. That's, I mean, my favorite thing is you do you. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want to do and make you happy as long as you're not hurting anyone else, do you. You know, that's my, you know, that's my mantra. 
and I'm pretty good at listening to people in their face. Like, oh, you're this? You know, explain to me what that is. Tell me about it. But also, don't just tell me about it. Tell me how you live it. Yeah, don't read me the pages. I, I, yeah, don't, don't read me the pages. Tell me how you live it. Yeah. And I think that at the core of it, that's kind of what that last stage is. Either, you know, whether you want to title it elder or late adulthood or, you know, stage six or whatever. I think at the end of it all, that last stage, no matter where you are on your birthday track, yeah, that last stage is how are you living your faith path? Mm-hmm. Not really living it. Or the people now that have the biggest things to say or the in the biggest churches, you're not living what you say your path is. No. When you have a mega church and there is a big national disaster, natural disaster in your state, and you don't open up your church where you could have a bunch of people, dude, you're not in it for it for your your God. You're in it for the money. I used, to, I used to get up as a kid in the middle of winter and there would there would be people sleeping in my living room I'd never seen before and I'd never see again because we opened our home when it was necessary to open our home because that's what you do. The church was a warming center all the time. Like I just remember because my dad doesn't believe in just standing up at the front and preaching his words, he goes out and he lives the words. Yeah, that's pretty so, funny. We kind of digressed on that, but really not really because- no. Magic, or you're Christian, or Hindu, or Muslim, or whatever. I think it's come to the point where people need to reevaluate their lives and and how it's affecting the world. Exactly, exactly. So, to our dear listeners, uh, where are you on your faith path? What stage of Fowler's stages of belief? If you want to let us know, you can email us at lunar at lunarmagicteatime.com. You can visit the website, lunarmagicteatime.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Lunar Magic Tea Time. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher. There's another one. I can never remember it. There is merchandise over on teespring.com. And yeah, let us know. Magical day.